Yeah, what were you saying? I can give you a tough time about your stupid squeaky chair that has already interrupted the podcast. Yeah, give me a tough time about that chair. I hit it with the WD-40 just like you suggested last week. Buy a new chair. I don't want to. I love this chair. Buy a new chair. But I love this chair. There's no way you could like that chair if it's squeaking as much as you say it is, as I I hear. That means it is broken. It doesn't work. Buy a new chair. It's broken in for me great yeah it's it's a terrible chair it makes noise it's probably addicted to heroin i mean you probably found it in an alley with heroin needles and brought it into the house thinking i found a great deal look here's my wonderful chair i didn't find it in an alley i found it at goodwill thank you Uh uh-huh exactly buy a chair you have enough money to buy a chair you are not destitute go buy a freaking chair i but i like this chair it's a good chair i've had no it is not it listener if you think that this chair is a bad chair and you don't because it squeaks and interrupts the podcast it's 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 almost like a part of the podcast at this point fine you put a picture of your chair Uh uh-huh and make the squeaky noise. So I want a video on Twitter and we will have a poll to see whether or not the chair That's should work. stay or go. That's work, man. Well, it is work. I can't do that today. <laughs> well, you can't do it today, but you have a whole week. You have a week to take care of this. Okay. I, I because might. this chair needs to go. I want this poll up before this podcast drops, which means you have plenty of time. Oh, I know. At the rate that you put them up. <laughs> You know, I don't see you helping out. I, I I am helping out by by squeaking the chair. I squeak the chair. That doesn't help. <laughs> it helps so that much. That forces me to edit it and do sound noise reduction and all sorts of things. No, you, you it doesn't help. It. The squeaky chair does not help. It adds to the podcast. No, what we need are the dogs now. Where are the dogs? Have oh, the dogs run in barking yet? The, the dogs will be barking at some point because the delivery is coming at some point to the house. Fantastic. <laughs> My dog is happily sleeping underneath me. Well, not really happily. She's got her head between her paws. Like, why did you make me come in your hot office? She was enjoying the outside earlier. I saw that video. Yeah. But see, I also sent you a picture of my brand new air conditioner. But the air conditioner vent in my office is covered up by all of my comics. And I have two windows with the sun shining directly in them. So Mm -hmm. it is the hottest room in the house still, even with the air conditioning. Oh, man. So fantastic. It is a Dan problem. Well, it was hotter without the air conditioning, admittedly. So this is a little bit better. But yeah, I got cocky and left the the shade open too long. I was like, oh, I have air conditioning. I don't need to close the window shade. (laughs) Look at me with no pants on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, how do you know? You you have no idea right now. I don't. That's why we don't video cast. No, I have pants on. I have shorts on and I have a Mr. Mixel plate. And shorts on? I have pant no no cheese. <laughs> Twisting my words as usual. I am wearing a fine Mr. Mixelplick, or as some people say, Mr. Mixpitalik shirt. Mm-hmm. I'll go with the classic Mixelplick, as in the cartoon. Thank Mixel-plick. you, where he was introduced to us. Yes, because this is definitely the Super Friends version. Now, that's what I'm wearing today. I know you're not wearing anything nearly as cool as that. I'm, dude. I'm wearing it like a. Like, I want to say, like an 8 bit block um, Transformer shirt with the best Transformer, the Decepticon known as Soundwave. 
What are those things that come out of his chest? Said every millennial. Yeah, I know. There's cassettes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I had to tell you this because like, it totally fits. This girl comes into the shop last week and she asked if we had any music on cassettes. And I was like, yeah, we do. And sent her back to the music room, right, to the record room. She goes back and she's like looking and she, she like literally beelines it back there and then comes right back to the front. And she's like, you said there was music on cassettes back there. All you have is old music on cassettes. Like, where's the new music? Where's the good music? And I was They're like, putting new music on cassettes? They are. And I was like, um, you wouldn't want to pay the price for that new music, that good music, the air-quoted good music on cassettes, because it's literally $30 a cassette. <laughs> and it, the cassettes had the worst sound quality. I mean, uh, that's... That's, a, that's a bias, and that's literally a cassette joke. It's a cassette joke. Yeah. It's a bias. Sound bias. <laughs> I mean, definitively yeah. had, I mean, they wear out. That's the yeah, whole well, point. I mean, they I stretch, mean, yeah. But yeah. That, I mean, and distort. All the way I mean, unless you like the distortion. I love it. It's the best. <laughs> no, like <laughs> her dad comes back and her dad was like, you have a lot of good music back there. And I was like, I know, right? <laughs> but, you know, what can you do? Kids. I don't think you can do much of anything based on the description you just gave me. I know. I mean, like, honestly, though, they do they do make current music on cassettes. It ranges between 20 to $30 to buy it and to, you know, to sell it. It's around that, you know, obviously. So what is this for? Your 1991 Toyota Tercel? Like, what do you... Uh, people are using Walkmans again because they're cool. And, you know, Stranger Things has brought that back into the fray again. So, uh, but, I mean, you could be cool like me with your... 2000 something Nissan and throw your cassettes into it. Um, I hate to break it to you, but for my 2003 Pontiac vibe, I replaced the cassette player a long time ago. And, um, I, yeah, and I don't even think it had a cassette player. I think it had a, I don't know what it had. I think it must've had a cassette player, but it, it is long gone. Well, I mean, some people like you like to have the ability to listen to the newest coolest technology some people like me like to listen to cassettes and then throw in the cassette adapter to plug it into your phone and listen to your mp3s let's just say there is nothing new and cool about my technology i have like a replacement car stereo from like 2012 that has an aux port i hook a bluetooth square that costs like 20 bucks on amazon into that aux port and i broadcast to it there's nothing cool here but you can certainly use modern technology. It is not that hard. This is not a difficult thing to do. Yeah, but you can't just throw in Beverly Hills Cop 2 on a cassette and just rock out to the best jams available. No, because I can say, hey, Google, play Beverly Hills <gasps> Cop. Oh, it's going to do it. It's going to do it right now. God, no. Stop it. Stop it. No. <laughs> I know. See, you can't just say that kind of stuff. Well, I can that. say it because it works. It was starting to play no, the soundtrack. That's, that's why you I had can't to turn the phone that. off. You can't just say that stuff just any, any, any time willy nilly, Dan. Technology, it's always listening. Well, maybe we should actually get to the comic book we're talking about today. Yes, that's right. Because it deals with a lot of things. So I have a question for you. Yes. So there were three issues of Spider-Man published in 1971 that didn't have the uh, the, code the code stamp of approval on them. Yes. And we talked about this on the last episode. And there were, of course, two Green Lantern uh, issues because they lightened the code up. So uh, 
Great little short article by Jason Sachs in the American Comic Book Chronicles, um, the 1970s, 1970 to 1979, and just a very short uh, piece on the two books. I was looking for a couple of sources that had not the two books, but both. I wanted a source that had you know the story of Spider Man and the Green Lantern books together. I pulled a couple of other sources too, uh, but that one a nice little clip article, but noted that the after the Spider-Man issues were published, they light, they lessened, they weakened the code basically because Marvel showed they were successful. Right. And that's how these two books were able to get published. But then Neil Adams still had to fight with DC, DC editorial about whether or not these two covers. So for the first cover, the last issue in 85 with the, entire heroin kit out right it's very mm-hmm. obvious what speedy is doing right and then this cover on this issue which i mean the more famous of the two covers is speedy and in the, the last issue 85 crazy uh, 86 maybe a artistically i think is a better cover oh yeah no with all the faces and and just the sadness yeah, and just the, it. it shows the impact of it, it he, with all the faces it's showing illustrates the impact of, say, the, the epidemic on everyone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and by the way, that 19 this book, this American Comic Book Chronicles is put out by Tomorrow's Publishing. Uh, this is a group Greg and I definitely endorse. They definitely. put out all sorts of books about artists and comics and history. It's fantastic. So if you don't have to read Wikipedia to get everything, you can actually hold it in your grubby little hands with most of their stuff too. They'll sell you the PDF version of it though. I did just buy side note Mm -hmm. a, uh, they have a list of like every Jack Kirby. It's like a list. Everything Jack Kirby did not available on PDF. They will only sell you the book. Okay. And I have one coming. You do. And I know you're probably going to want to take a look at that. Um, I'm probably going to want to go buy I'm scratching. Well, if you want it, you can go to tomorrow's and buy one right now. They had them on sale because they are not going to uh, San Diego this year. So they put a bunch of stuff on sale in honor of San Diego Comic-Con. So you may want to go check that out. I'm scratching myself like Speedy was in the last book. Yeah. (laughs) You're all like very, like, I got to go right now. We got to stop this podcast so I can go order that. Yes, I need to go get that book. So anyway, we have a cover here um, and kind of setting up the scene. So obviously these so these were a few months after the the Spider-Man books. And because the code was weakened by the publication of those three books and uh, Stan Lee actually was the quote unquote writer for those Spider-Man stories. Hmm. Whereas we know that Denny O'Neill was the actual writer for these stories. Yes, correct. Yeah. If you understand the Marvel method, you'll get that joke. And if you don't, then well. I'll have Greg explain the Marvel method, a different podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) with that said, there is an artist that was in both Green Lantern number 85. I believe Green Lantern 86 and in the Spider-Man issues. Who was the artist? I I don't know who was the artist. Gil Kane and John Romita drew the Spider-Man issues. So we have the very strange contrast of these stories here with the old reprint backups with the Gil Kane art. Wow. Yeah. Well, not in this issue. So it wasn't in 80. Sorry. It was was in the last one. Yeah. In this issue, we've got a Silver Age or a Golden Age backup story with the Golden Age Green Lantern and the Icicle. Mm -hmm. So if you've been watching Stargirl at all. You'll know. You'll know. 
and you could go read the back of this comic and see some golden age icicle. But yes, Gil Kane is attached to both, um, at least the three Spider-Man issues and then one of the two Green Lantern issues, which is pretty fascinating. That is amazing. And so I'm just going to declare now, Greg and I are going to be reading those three Spider-Man issues uh, for the podcast after this one. And we will get to challenge ourselves. So one of the things we were saying was, was the Gil Kane art right for the the era, right? Uh Did it fit the contemporary style? And I think we both agreed it could, Mm -hmm. right? If we had good writing with it, not John Broom writing, but somebody else. Right. Um, Maybe a Stanley and the Marvel editorial staff, perhaps, uh, writing it together. And so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting contrast. I'm ready to dig into that. I'm really interested to see Gil Kane contrast with John Romita as well. Yeah, that's, oh, wow. That's, that's going to be, that's a treat. I'm kind of excited about this comparison. So, well, we've got this cover. We've got a giant heroin needle. Well, a needle, but presumably a heroin needle. One of the things that Sachs mentioned, too, in the short article about the two books was that on the Green Lantern covers, they could play up the fact that they were actually talking about drugs, whereas Marvel editorial was still concerned about code busting and selling the books. So they kind of had to allude to the fact that they were talking about drugs in the issue. So yeah. it'll be interesting to make that comparison too, whereas these are all out, right? You know, the yeah. the last cover, it, it, it says explicitly with the kit on there and everything that mm-hmm. they're talking about drugs. And then, of course, in this issue, we've got the big needle more deadly than the atom bomb. You know, there it's, yeah, I think every you look at it, you know what's going on. Yeah. And you got uh, a dead looking speedy in, in Green Arrow's arms, though I don't remember this happening in the story. I, you know, it's because the yeah. first page is quite the opposite. It's all there, Dan. You're just not reading between the lines. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say let's flip into the first page. And okay. besides the win prizes by selling Olympic greeting cards, I this is one of my least favorite panels in all of comics. So why don't you describe what's here? The prizes in cash? Oh, no. no the splash oh, page. The the smacking of Speedy by yeah. the Green Arrow, the the beating of a child it's yeah. not it's it's not very fitting for this father son big brother little brother type situation i mean i can understand the anger but there's other ways to handle it yeah it's it's quite awkward right uh, let's make the assumption that speedy is over 18 now mm-hmm. uh based on the storytelling uh, it's not explicitly clear that that's happening, but you get the notion through his descriptions, right? Let's say you had a mentor, right? But I don't think, you know, in, in going with the age, right? I don't think Green Arrow can just like leave him in the house for months, right? If he's not of age, right? Yeah. And that's also presumably why he wasn't worried about him when he returned, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a grown up now. It's yeah. not, um, though at the time, you're, at the time, if you look at the Teen Titans comics at the time, you would have had Speedy in the Teen Titans comics, right? Leading out of this. So it's an interesting mix there, right? Right. And this does work its way into Teen Titans comics later. So this is this this isn't just dropped. It's definitely referenced into yeah. the new Teen Titans that uh, Perez and Wolfman do. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's an awkward kind of situation. It's it's. I just don't think I don't like hitting kids, right? Like, this is not okay. And even if they're two grown adults, this this also seems like, I mean, 
So it fits the hothead character that they've developed for Green Arrow, right? The hypocrisy of the liberal hothead, right? He's ultra liberal. Everything, you know, should be peace and understanding and love. And but we work, you know, the authorities, all the man's always out to get you. But then at the same time, he still represents a different era than Speedy, right? He's still aggressive. He's still violent. He, yeah, he represents a different era and a, a, a different moral code or a, a, a very stringent moral code. And if you don't do it my way, then you're doing it wrong. Right. A supposedly stringent moral code, of course, until he accidentally thinks he murders somebody like with his bow in a couple issues and then ends up on a Buddhist island and, and knocks somebody up and has has uh, Connor. Well, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Like that's I, his, uh, his, his, he's got to pay his penance. And uh, obviously the Green Arrow Black Canary relationship has been ultra rocky over the decades for obvious reasons. And it's mostly on him. So, yeah, it's uh, I mean, I think characters with flaws, right? This was Denny O'Neill and and Neil Adams doing Marvel characters, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to have that. But yeah, I I hate I hate this splash page with a passion. Uh, I I don't think the solution to drug use is hitting the person. No, it's it, you're not going to get anything across. You're not going <laughs> to if someone's doing something that you that is going to hurt them. You're you're not going to stop them from inflicting some sort of violence on them. It's, yeah, it's not. Now not the point they make in the yeah, and the point they make in the next two pages, I see why they did it, but I still disagree with the beginning. Right, so you get page two, and you get three large panels of faces, right? You get Speedy's face, you get Green Arrow's face, mm-hmm. right? And you get uh, Green Arrow's face again, right? So first you get Speedy's face of shock, right? He's shocked that that Green Arrow hit him. But then he just retreats and says, yeah, you know, you've proven your point, big man, right? You know, mm-hmm. you, you're stronger than us weaklings. Yeah. Um, and he calls him a big man, you know, big man like you, you he doesn't need drugs. Get on your own self, you know, get high in your own self-righteousness. I love that line. So in contrast to the first page, I absolutely love that line in the sense that Speedy is articulating what the readers are sometimes feeling about Green Arrow in the book, right? Mm -hmm. And as you contrast Green Arrow and Green Lantern throughout the pages of the book, um, throughout the last, you know, six, seven issues, right? Uh, Some readers felt that way, right? They're, you know they took sides with green lantern wanting to do things the, the quote unquote right way. Mm-hmm. And here's this guy who's, you know, thinks he's doing the right way, hitting his kid. Mm-hmm. And of course he responds in anger, shut up. You know, I'm not interested in excuses, you know, and I don't want to replay something from my history, but I can think back to a time when you were there, when I had a, something like exactly like this happened to me live right in front of you. Yeah. And I didn't hit anybody, to be clear, fair listeners, but I struck back somebody with words and somebody struck back at me just like this. And who's to say who was in the right? I think I was in the right. But, you know, in this kind of conflict, is anybody ever in the right? And I can tell you where I wasn't in the right. It was striking out at people with words. And that's just striking out with people with words, right? <laughs> he hit him with his hand. Yeah. I, and I don't think that's okay. And Again, I, I can empathize with the anger and the frustration because I certainly have struck out with words against people in my life, but I don't like this. I don't like this, but I like the second page and I like how the story progresses. Yeah, definitely. I'll get off my high horse now. No, it's it's 
totally called for and it 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 totally makes sense what you're saying and it it draws through the through line from um i mean as as we go into the further into the story it it all makes sense right yep and then you see i like in the third panel on the second page is green arrow's remorse and what he's done like he almost immediately realizes that he screwed up yeah like but uh, it's too late right yeah he's like i is it me did i do this did i i, I can't i can't it can't be me <laughs> yeah it can't be me I, I, I'm not to blame. No, I'm innocent of blame. Right. And he said yeah. he shouldn't need attention at his age. I taught him to be strong, independent, to be tough. You know, it, it, it's so funny that, you know, again, Green Arrow representing like the 1950s idyllic, right. Tough guy. <laughs> right. Um, while at the same time advocating for a new generation of politics. Right. And yeah. And, and progressive thinking and change. <laughs> Progressive thinking is change as long as I'm not at fault. Yeah. And it is sanctimonious. And I think it it relates to the times too, right? Like if you yeah. look at the current political I was just gonna times. <laughs> yeah, I was just talking to you about this before the podcast, right? Yeah. I'm not going to rehash the entire yeah. but piece. It, but Joe Biden is, is very unpopular right now. Um, his approval ratings are very low. So let me rephrase that. Not as unpopular Joe Biden's as approval. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Biden's approval rating is very low. So I don't want to turn that to popularity. Right. Those yeah. are two different metrics. Uh, but in the sense, I think it is right. When you look at Joe Biden, it is the same kind of feeling that the Green Arrow projects. Right. An older man who is endorsed, quote unquote, liberal politics over time. But everybody's wants him to move to what we feel is correct, right? Like, why aren't we, you know, getting rid of the student loan program and forgiving student loans, right? Why isn't marijuana legal uh, nationwide? We're looking at him to be that, and he's not. He's a stalwart of his belief system that was liberal in the late 1980s and early 1990s. Mm -hmm. And it's not what we need now, but he's in office. So we're stuck with it. And it's the same kind of feeling I have when I read this green arrow book. Right. I, honestly, and I mean, not to, not to delve too much into it, but I think that's just going to be, that's the, that's, that's the, the cause and effect of any type of, uh, that's the constant power struggle. Right. I mean, we're seeing it in this comic. We see that in real life. And, and it's interesting to see that that's the kind of dynamic that uh, is, is being portrayed with Speedy and Green Arrow, uh, and even you know with Green Lantern too, because you see that kind of thing too with Green Lantern. But uh, uh, just in his in his belief system <laughs> as well. But uh, you see that I mean that's just the the constant thing is that uh, whoever whoever's in that 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 top seat is always going to have that um, they're they're ten years behind the, the curve. And then the sense of denial that Green Arrow has here, I think, is and, and, and you know, if I'm tying it to contemporary politics, is the same sense of denial that the front line of the Democratic Party has right now on this, you know, approval rating. Right. The, the, the mainline Democratic Party is like, of course, these folks should love us. Look at the alternative. And here we have Green Arrow walking out of the, the apartment building, getting into a cab. Uh, people are working on a car. They're baffled by this man in a costume walking in and getting into a cab. And he's so delusional about his cause that he's mm -hmm. literally getting into the, a cab as a superhero. Right. Right. So where did his, you know, 
high, you know, he's, he's lost all his money. That attitude that he shows in the first couple pages didn't work out for his life and career. And here, (laughs) I love the way the face is drawn, right. Of just disbelief, like of what they've just seen, right. Here he is working on his car and he's in complete disbelief of (laughs) Green Arrow getting into the cab. Like, yeah. I mean, that'd be like, if you, if you're, (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty sure uh, we, we see this on the streets of, uh, um, you know, Seattle with, with superheroes. superheroes jumping into their ride shares and stuff like that but i mean like where's the stealth why are you not swinging from uh i mean i mean they're out there but i mean why are they not you know sticking to the wall and by the way this story is by denny o'neill art and with by neil adams and the consummate inker dick giordano and edited by Julia Schwartz. So I did want to make sure we toss that out before we go too much further. Mm -hmm. And then we get the contrast here. We go, meanwhile, um, so he's just left the apartment, gets in a cab, and here we go. Their friends from last issue are breaking into Green Arrow's apartment. Oh, man. That was, like, quick. Like, he leaves, they come right in. Yeah, but they're looking for Speedy. So yeah. they've been there, clearly been there before. They, yeah. it's, this doesn't look like a breaking and entering. So I said no. break in, but it's more like walk in. Yeah, they, they, they've been to the place before. It's almost like they've, they're, they've been to this place more times than Green Arrow has in the last few months. Yeah. And they're looking for a place to get high. So and one place yeah. is as good as any, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So they are there and they're just talking about the, great score they got when they sold out the green lantern and the green arrow at the mm-hmm. airfield and they find speedy's works on the floor quote unquote and they grab his needle always a good policy to use needles other people have used yeah i mean well this was early in the 70s where things like that just you know <laughs> people weren't thinking about bloodborne disease and pathogens yeah. until the late 70s yeah, yeah and early 80s yeah and it was something only gay people got, right? Mm, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no. <laughs> and honestly, too, like, I mean, it, it, it's interesting how all these things tie together. I don't want to depress everybody, but Nixon's war on drugs leads to the, the Ronald Reagan presidency later leads to <laughs> the war on everything else. Yeah. War on drugs and gay people. So, huh. yeah, it, you know, obviously... These things tie together, but as we get this scene, so I, I do want to recap the scene here in the book. So we've only made it to page four and five, and we're 28 minutes in because this is it. This part of the story is is has more depth to it than the first entire book. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, and, this, like this, these couple pages, like these four pages are just like what I feel like I get, I'm getting like so much. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the last page of the last issue and then the first, you know, five pages of this one. So you've got a six page span here that mm-hmm. is is very dense, right? And is is designed to invoke um, a certain feeling, obviously. And yeah. here we have uh, the African-American man, the Asian man, right, that we met last issue, mm-hmm. pretty much nameless throughout the story, except that they're drug users. And I think that's intentional. And I'll sort of get into that at the end. I can't remember if their names were actually said, but it's not like they're broadcasting their names over and over again, right? And I'll get into why I I think they went that route um, as we go through the story. Um, There's a couple of opinions on it that I've read, but I have my own, and I think I'm going to go with my own on this one. So, But we have a a eight-panel spread of the young Asian man getting high, right, and Mm -hmm. shooting up. And then he grips his heart and does a 
flare flop to the ground and dies. Yeah. And you get a next entire page dedicated to his friend uh, with all these colors in the background, right? Highlighting his friend um, and saying, you know, oh my God, he's overdosed, he's dead. So there's, it's, it's, there's not a doubt here. This isn't a comic book death. Uh, this kid is dead. Yeah. And one of the reasons we see heroin coming to the forefront here in these comics is I, I hope a lot of readers know, but you know, they may be not, you know, know about the Steele and Murphy report. Uh, and if I call it that, you may not even know it too, but if I call <laughs> it the Vietnam, uh, war report on heroin, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And they were estimating that 15% of active soldiers were heroin addicts. And so uh, Nixon had a problem, right? Because he's, he's promised to end the war in Vietnam. He also said he would solve domestic crime. <laughs> because of course, if you are of Nixon's ilk, you have to create a crime problem, even if one doesn't exist. <laughs> and so, you know, his way to target crime is to take out drugs. And so now we have this, you know, heroin epidemic, but it's made more pronounced because we sent people off to war, they were addicted, and then they were coming back. So the government causes this by sending people into a place they should never be in the first place. And then bringing them home. With an and they're trying to cope with it yeah. by using heroin and then brings them home. Where, where, where the place they're at, heroin is easily accessible. When they come home, it's accessible but also highly illegal <laughs> right and with escalating consequences as nixon escalates his war on drugs yes so here we have uh the next page we've got a dead man on the ground in green arrow and speedy's apartment and the other kid is fleeing and now we have green lantern in his shirt and tie of course right of course thinking about in his hotel room thinking about what happened to speedy yeah and he just can't put his finger on what was going on no he can't which but he can recite his pledge to his space cop friends Whew! and i told you all i'd leave the history and the commentary out of last episode because i'm hitting you hard with it in the front but i promise i'll come down from here a little bit he lies and i am going to come down as we flip pages are you ready okay what was the name of the program where soldiers were drug tested before they could return from Vietnam and, and required to stay in Vietnam if they tested positive for heroin. What was the name of the program? Operation Golden Flow. Interesting. Yeah, because, you know, they had to pee a lot. Isn't that cute? <laughs> Does it make you laugh? That's hilarious, right? Pee test. Yes. Yeah. Ha ha. Ha ha. We named it Clever. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> How successful do you think this program was? Um, it it was a great retention tool. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't was the most successful tool. program. Yeah, <laughs> I think definitely wasn't the most successful program we uh, ever had. I think they would call it backstopping nowadays. Yeah, but or stop. Just wow, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Green Lantern gets into costume and heads over to the tenement apartment, emphasized again in the writing of Oliver Queen. And he says there's an odd smell in the air. Well, that corpse smelled quickly, didn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it could have been maybe an hour or two. I don't know. But yeah. But he find, finds the young man who's dead and he's wondering where Arrow and Speedy are. And now he's now he's out hunting. It could be a miracle. It could be anywhere. Of course, Green Arrow out still raging, right? Gets in a <laughs> cab with his 
arm in a sling and decides yeah. to go back to the airfield and, and take, take folks out on his own. Fantastic. That's a good idea. <laughs> Bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah. So here we are, Green Arrow fighting his one-man Nixon war on drugs, which I also find a fascinating contrast in these books, right? It's Denny O'Neill was on his game, on, on point with the <laughs> writing here. It's pretty fantastic. The irony that's all over these books. <laughs> Hopefully I use the term irony right. You can collect, correct me right later if I screwed that up. Oh, no, no. It's the irony is there. So now Green Arrow guy decides he's going to go out and take these guys out and and find folks. He beats up a guy and he asks him who owns this joint and he's going to find out who owns it. And we are making a rapid shift in the story here from emphasizing we're going to make a rapid shift here. And I wanted to bring this up. We're making a rapid shift from identifying the user to identifying the seller again. Right. So they went after the sellers last time. Right. So right. it started out with the user, they went after the sellers, and it re-emphasizes the user, right? Mm-hmm. And the book is really designed to empathize with the user, right, and hate the seller. Correct. And that was very much how they also have been continually selling the war on drugs for a long time, right? Yeah. Which, let's talk about more at the end, but I think, you know, I want to illustrate this back in the book, right? So he's, so Green Arrow's out trying to look for the people peddling, mm-hmm. right, and... We get back and here we go. Uh, we get Green Lantern and he's out looking around the city and he finds Speedy in an alley. And this is such a cool page, I yeah. have to say. I mean, I love the layout of it. I looked at this page for so long, much longer than I needed to, just because it just is such a well-designed page. Yeah, so we've got Green Lantern's head superimposed over the back of the page is the background with mm-hmm. Speedy's head down below, right in the last panel. So mm-hmm. the Green Lantern's head is like the background for the panels, and then we get seven panels. But the seventh panel is cut into Green Lantern's neck and chin, and it's Speedy looking up as if he's looking up at the light, right, that's being shined in his face mm-hmm. and going toward the light, right? Yeah. And so Green Lantern doesn't know what's happened. And so, you know, he Speedy assumes Green Lantern knows what's happening, right? Like he's just playing stupid. And he's just like, you know, he's like, hey, what's wrong? Why are you in the alley? And he said, I'm a rotten junkie. I need a fix. I came to Chinatown. Can't remember why. Mine's muddled. So he's, you know, he's on withdrawal because he didn't get his, he didn't get to shoot up, got kicked out. And, and of course, immediately Green Lantern's like, well, I'll go get you a doctor, right? Because yeah, that's that makes- what the space cop would do. I'm going to get yeah. you a doctor. And Speedy is stubborn and he's he's, he's going to prove to his high and mighty guardian, the Green Arrow, that he can do it himself. Mm-hmm. So we get to the next page and Green Lantern basically kind of summarizing a bit. Um, they're talking. They have a, a, a Speedy has to teach the space cop about drugs. Yeah. Because he, the space cop, I love that. I, I always, I find this so like, this is what I find interesting about this is for, he's a, he's a space cop and he's also kind of human. Yeah. <laughs> but he has no idea about any of this stuff. No, he doesn't know about any of it. And, but he's also been out. I mean, let's defend him a little bit. He's been depowered. He was been out traveling the country with, Green Arrow, right? So presumably he goes across the country to find himself and ignores the problems that were going on right in his own backyard. 
You know, you know what would have helped him find himself, man? Some drugs. Yeah, well, maybe. I think that's exactly what Speedy's telling him. <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> I joke. It doesn't help. So, <laughs> are you sure about I, that? I, I don't know. I mean... Probably not heroin or fentanyl, so let's no. we can agree on that. Yeah, yeah, we can agree on that. We'll disagree on, on potentially other foreign substances, but at least for those two, yeah, I'm in 100% agreement. So... And oxys as well. We'll throw those in there too. I don't think any of those are useful for of much of anything. They don't. They they don't even do what they're supposed to do for you. <laughs> so. <laughs> so we get uh, Speedy um, kind of you know arguing sort of the pseudo countercultural view of the time, um, but and he says to Green Lantern, "You've told us war is fun, skin color is important, a man's worth is the size of his bank account, all Crocs." So mm-hmm. I believe your drug rap. Like, why should we believe you? You lied to us about the Vietnam War. You yeah. lied to us about race. You lied to us about money and mm-hmm. capitalism. Why should I believe you on any other thing? Yeah. And it's a fair point, right? I mean, gosh, I'm an old man now, and I still feel that way about things. You heard me ranting at the beginning of this podcast. I know. I'm, I'm in the same boat, man. <laughs> And I think these things start to cut at the fabric of what quote unquote, like Americana was right. Not to be too cheesy, but um, this is what was happening at the time. The comic books are of course about five years too late to get started in this, but at least they started right. Yeah. And uh, four to five years, right. Uh, Too late, but here we are. And I think Danny O'Neill and Neil Adams are making some really beautiful points here. It might be five years too late, but it's, it's probably, five years they fought hard to get this book into production, you know, and then they finally got it. So, yeah. Uh, but at the same point, it's, I mean, it, it would, it, would you rather have it five years too late or five years never? Well, and, and don't get me wrong, right? I like, I love my silver age Superman stories with Legion and Superboy stories that were going on in 1965, but they weren't actually representative of the time. Yeah. I, they were, but they weren't right. Yeah. They they had they were books for kids. Notes. They had touch notes of things that that tied into things going on, but they didn't hit you like this. Yeah. Are you vacuuming up your own words back there? No. Okay, that was weird. It was like a vacuum went on in your background. Oh no, but... <laughs> no. The uh, there's the kid. It's a nice day, so the neighborhood kids are on their motorcycle. Oh, fantastic. Again. Okay, that's what that was. It's well, those kids on their motorcycles. Those again, kids are interrupting man. our podcast. I just wish they'd fall in line. There's seven of them on motorcycles. They're probably out there getting their marijuana. Probably. Well, now we flip back and um, I guess Green Lantern deposits Speedy with Dinah. So now he's with Black Canary. Yeah. Uh, and he's just like, Speedy needs a place to stay. He'll explain <laughs> bye. Here, I'm going to drop off the kid with you, lady. Yeah. Stay with hey. a nice lady, Speedy. Bye-bye. Yeah. Hey, my, uh, hey, my guardian's lover. Um, I'm now going to hang out with you while I detox. Great. I got some good news and I got some bad news. Bad news. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we got Green Arrow in some bad news. Uh, he goes out to see the boat and of course they beat him up and cause he's an idiot. Yeah. Cause he's a dumb, he, he like gets, he gets worked over by two yeah. of the biggest dumbs. <laughs> like, 
And I like, like, uh, yeah, so he fights him off valiantly. You know, this is like the uh, babyface wrestler, right? Going against right. two bad guys. You know he's going to lose. So he fights him off valiantly with the injury. And then, of course, one of the bad guys just kicks him right in the arm. I, uh, I did, as, that's as exactly happen. when I was reading this. That's what I was like. This is such a wrestling match. This is such a wrestling match. Yeah, we got um, like a chokehold, a forward trip even. yeah, the, 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 the total, like, yeah, that trip. It's like yoinks. Nice little judo throw there. And he falls down on his good arm. And that's when he gets smacked in the bad one. Bad arm. Oh, man. And so then we get a man in a, what is that thing? An ascot? Yeah, he's got an ascot on. And a cigarette. And he says, nicely done, boys. We don't see the guy's face. We just see his back of his head for a minute. But then in the third panel, we find out his name is Solomon. I thought he was Dirty Fred. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> or Dirty Fred. Yeah, I don't I don't I think calling him Dirty Fred probably would have gotten Hanna-Barbera a little upset at the time. Yeah. So Dirty. we'll go with Solomon. Yeah, Solomon. And he comes back and he said, where have you been? And then he sees a judge. So there's a bunch of people partying on this boat he goes to after he says they did a good job of beating up Green Arrow. I smell I smell a rat. Mm-hmm. I think this guy is probably not a good dude. No, he's he's. Uh. And the judge says, we've been discussing these young people, Hooper, these filthy, dope-swilling beatniks. (gasps) So immediately we have the previous generation otherizing, right? The the other generation. Sound Mm -hmm. familiar? Uh Did I make fun of millennials earlier on this podcast, not understanding what a tape recorder is? Yes. But... And probably Gen Z too, but I, it's different, right? Like I think you, people need to be really careful about how I hate, um, I hate it at work or anywhere, quite frankly, academia, all these places where people are just like, well, they're from X generation. So they're going to behave in a certain way. Mm-hmm. I hate those generalizations. Yeah, it's, it's, it's obnoxious. It, just because somebody's from a, a, a certain generation or a, a subset of history doesn't necessarily mean they're like destined to act a certain way it's that's a that's a fallacy or maybe we should look at the root cause of why somebody's acting in a certain way right Uh, if my college students are tired and not finishing their work instead of berating them maybe i should ask them why and what i found out is that most people you know had to have jobs to pay for college now because you know you couldn't just get a scholarship that paid for everything anymore because college was so expensive so i changed my teaching practices and started doing things like group assignments in class right instead of having group assignments happen where people had to try to connect with each other outside of class since it was almost impossible because so many people had jobs and different activities they were supposed to be doing so they could stay in school. And right. I'm, so you I'm change, gonna, you stop. change your behavior based on the problem as opposed to just complaining that the next generation is wrong. But here we go. I mean, that's I'm, what it is. Right. I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm going to say and not even just like an, a job to pay for stuff. It's not even like a normal job that some people have. It's not like a, I'm going to work at McDonald's for a eight hour shift or a six hour shift. It's a, I'm going to go do food delivery or drive people places or whatever on some app. And I don't know when or how long my job will last. Right. <laughs> because or, the economy uh, goes all night. <laughs> and people are still like, and people are still uh, getting massive amounts of student loans to pay for it too. In addition yeah. to having these jobs. And then people also feel like they have to pay for it. They have to buy certain things to do certain things, to have certain things. And they're going into debt for 
just well there's the car paradox right mm-hmm. it's it's when i often had conversations with people it's like why are you working well i'm working to pay for my car why do you have a car so i can go to work yeah. and i would just be about okay well, well then get rid of the car i, would I can't get rid of the car the car yeah. paradox is now the phone paradox of the you know because you have to have a phone nowadays. So anyway, Greg and I have pontificated on the callousness of the the previous generation in this book, but you know we're susceptible to this kind of thinking too. So I don't want people to think that. And Greg and I sometimes, I you know, we think this way sometimes too. We're susceptible to this. We're susceptible to it, but also at the same point, like we we tend to take a step back, a breath, try to understand, try to empathize. And, you know, it's, it's just the life it's, it's life. (laughs) Well, here we are. Uh, they throw a green arrow off the dock. He looks uh, like a fish. (laughs) Yeah. He looks like a fish. So he's got a, 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 Oh my gosh. He's Aquaman. He's got a very cool anchor wrapped around him. His eyes are as big as they were when he saw Speedy was on drugs. (laughs) I was just going to say, he's got crazy eyes again. I mean, wild eyes. We can't say wild eyes. Be careful. Well, they said it on Orange is the New Black. Oh, yeah. So, well, that now was he's got that was it was. Uh, so we've got uh, conveniently, of course, um, I'm not sure where this came from because it seems like a holdover from when he was rich, but conveniently enough, there was an acetylene torch arrow. Oh, man. He, yeah, that's a holdover from when he was rich. There's yeah, no and way. This acetylene, yeah, I guess <laughs> that was just oh, one you don't one use very often. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, green arrow don't got one of those, man. Well, and I'm just thinking it just hung around in the in the in the in the quiver for a while because <laughs> when would you need a, an acetylene arrow? That's true, unless you're breaking into banks. Oh man, that's how he's been paying for that apartment, right? But are you going to shoot that at somebody at a bank vault? I guess, and it just or lights. The, I don't know. You usually have to hold it. Well, anyway, the yeah. acetylene <laughs> arrow, but it, it's not. It's it, he gets up to the top of the water, and then oh, great! Hey, conveniently, Green Lantern is here now. He sees him. Oh, good! And he's like, "Hey, they just tried to kill me." And Green the Green Lantern's like, "Ah, I'll take them out." Ha ha. Okay. Hey, it's Boom. the other greeny guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love they're that. all green. And we even get the Moon Monster. He's terrifying. He's oh, over yeah. six feet tall, and he's also green. Whoa. I, I want the other three monster masks too. It's a bonus. Hurry, be the first. So, um, Green Lantern summons Gar Logan with his ring. Gar Logan splits in two no. and throws the guys in boxes, right? Yep. Okay, actually, he makes two green gorillas and they throw the guys in boxes. I thought it was. I thought it was the Moon Monster. I thought it was Beast Boy. Okay. Well, anyway, so <laughs> uh, then he makes giant fans and dries. <laughs> Uh, Green Arrow out. And <laughs> they need to go dry Speedy out. Yeah, well, I think that's happening on some other pages. Okay. Because we flip the page to page 18 and boom, there is Speedy crash in a corner and there's Dinah. He's not looking so hot. Yeah, and she, he's like, leave me alone. She hugs him. He's like, leave me alone. She looks very sad. He goes in and, and runs water over his head and throws up and is back down on the ground. He's sweating and it's not going to, uh, it's not looking too good. I will say, if I have a criticism about the scene, the art's beautiful, right? It's mm-hmm. It illustrates the point. I don't think you can detox in a night. No, and he would be naked at this point, too. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, but, I'm just, I'm not, I, I'm just going off of what I know, not from my own experience, but from what I 
have seen. <laughs> well, let's just say, like, I, I appreciate what they're doing. Yeah. I do think they're oversimplifying this process a little bit. I mean, I, they're doing it for the storytelling. Yeah, for the storytelling. It, it's a, yeah, I mean, for the listener out there, it's a, it's 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 a longer process. I would also say that the scene the scene though illustrates the 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 difficulty of it. It's, yeah, it, it there's does, sweat everywhere. Yeah, and he oh man, he would he would be naked wearing his underwear. Yeah, for sure. That vest would be so, gone. Well, <laughs> now we get back to Yol Hooper Pharmaceuticals because that's where the boat goes. So uh, we get Hooper. Mr. Solomon Stranger on the boat again. Yeah, and here we go. It's Hooper Fall at Pharmaceuticals, and he says, "Hanging, hanging with Mister Hooper, right?" <gasps> That's what that show was about. No, Hopper. Oh wait, is it Hopper or Hooper? No, it's Hopper. Hooper. Oh Hopper. no, it's Hooper. Hooper. No, it's Hooper. Oh, it's Hooper. Okay. And there's no. a typo. There's a typo in the middle panel. His name changes from Hooper to Hopper. It's definitely not Hopper. Hopper is a good guy. That is Hooper funny. is a bad guy. Hopper yeah. is a good guy. It's it's <laughs> good day, Mister Hopper. Hooper. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Hopper, you know, Hopper. The, Hopper would be taking Mr. Hooper down. Yeah, right? Hopper would be taking Mr. Hooper down. Yeah, or set or or, or L would be doing it. I almost yeah. said seven. Wow, seven. I was wow. I crossed genres there. Oof. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Oh boy, that was good. Look, look at the flaming we're gonna get on Twitter over that. So, <laughs> well. Uh, she says, we weren't expecting you. And she says, yeah, I'm just dropping by. Is the professor in? Now we get this old professor. I think I think the last panel on, on, on page 19 just inspired the entire series Breaking Bad. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but in this case, he doesn't have to do it on his own. He's doing it for a corporation. So yeah, he's making some high-grade heroin for this guy. They call it dope. I just wish they would have... Again, I, I wish they would just keep calling it heroin. I don't think they need any, you know, Slang. code language here. Code, yeah, code language. Especially, and maybe they needed to get the code to publish it. I'm not exactly sure. Perhaps. But they do say heroin a couple times in the book, so why not say it here? Yeah. Um, and Maybe they could only say it so many times. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's like a, it's like the F word after 10, right? Yeah. And, you know, you can only say it like a Four. couple of times. Well, I, Mr. Hooper's all proud of himself because he's like, yeah, nobody would suspect that I'm making drugs here in my well-respected lab when I've got all these judges and police people on my boat. That's right. And Green Lantern shows up and he's like, it's impossible. And he's like, your stooges talked. So we've got the classic trope of, you know, getting the lower level you know, trying to get the lower level dealer, right. To mm -hmm. stooge on. <gasps> to on yeah. But yeah. you know, over time, this is, you know, throughout the drug war, this was proven to be highly ineffective, right? We ended up jailing a bunch of people on mandatory minimums and keeping them in jail for either dealing low levels, amounts of drugs or possessing low level amounts mm -hmm. of drugs that were just over a line. And we called it intent to distribute. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, I again, yeah, I got to place this book in its time, right? So in yeah. 1971, all that hadn't happened yet. We didn't necessarily know the right. consequences. So I'm assuming the authors had the best of intentions, but I do need to illustrate uh, what happens in the drug war after this book too, yeah. especially if we're going to review three more drug books and probably four. So I mean, you get to a point where marijuana is legalized in a majority of states and people are let, let free of prisons because they, their cases are overturned. 
And we will get a contrast with the Spider-Man books, too, because they almost have to manufacture a story here. It's like all of a sudden we're going to introduce Speedy. Speedy's on drugs. You know, in the Spider-Man book, they had active characterization going on between multiple characters, right? So if somebody were to start using drugs, it would just be something that happens, right? You don't have to introduce a new character. Spoiler alert, alert, Harry Osborn was getting pills. So what? I know. Of all the characters, I would never suspect Harry Osborn. But there you go. So, well, now we've got a fight. Here's a green arrow is going to try to fight again. He shows up. He manages to shoot an arrow with his teeth, I think. That's pretty cool when you think about it. I mean, he blows up the he blows up the beaker. Okay, so dope. Yeah. And here we go. There's a fight. Uh, Hooper's down for the count. And there we go. I (laughs) I love green arrows like. His, his quip about the blind justice. <laughs> yeah. When I also like the Hooper starts to talk like a comic book villain and Green Lantern's like, I know, I know you happen to be an intercollegiate boxing champ. I've heard the line a million times on, you know, so <laughs> you just, they shut it. It's the, the commentary, the, the writing shuts down the comic book tropes itself. Right. It right. almost breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> it's like, no, not going to happen. Boom. Whap. Yeah. So now we get to the next page and they've they've defeated the bad guy. Um, we don't get to see the scene where the the we don't get to see the scene where all the judges on the boat let this guy off because and send him to a white collar prison for a year or convict the chemist and don't convict the owner of the pharmacy uh, because, you know, that's not a good part of the story. And we don't want to see that. Right. Nobody wants to see the truth. Yep. So we do get the truth. Though first, we have the funeral of the one young man. There is his entire family with his mom and his dad. Um, It's weird because his dad stays in shadow the whole time. You don't actually you only see the tie. You only see the mom mourning. So the dad that had all the weapons in the apartment, if you'll remember from last Mm -hmm. issue, that was his uh, that he used to shoot Green Arrow with the crossbow. Dad, you don't even see him. You only see mom. So I, I did find that interesting, that choice there. It is interesting. And they're watching the funeral from afar and there Speedy shows up to see his friend. Um, and I assume this is a few days later, maybe not the next day. Right. Um, so there is Speedy. I'm going to make that assumption. Right. We saw what was happening, but I don't think it just all happened in one night. And so there we have Speedy and he's like, I just you might want to know I broke the habit myself. And he says, good boy. And it's, you know, our mentor used to say that to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and. In the wrong context, it was not a good thing. Nope. <laughs> and this was the wrong context. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, you know, he did it with the help of his friends and Dinah. Basically, you turn his back. And, and of course, Hal tries to stick up for Ollie, but he's not, but Speedy's not having any of it, right? Roy is just like, no, um, I guess it isn't fair. Um, you did inspire me to go cold turkey. He says, thanks. And then he punches him. And again, I'm not... As an end of a story, I don't I I get why he punches him right. They're illustrating this, but it seems out of character for Speedy at the time. But it's not either because he's a hothead in the Teen Titans and he's later right like made that way. So it's not completely out of character, but it seems out of character for the story they're telling. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why he's doing it, but at the same point, yeah. Because the whole point was he was, you know, made fun of him for hitting him before, right? Yeah. Look at you, big man. And now he's hitting him back. Well, it's, it's, I mean, he does want to get him back for what he, it's, it's kind of him feeling a little vindication there. But then the language after it is phenomenal. 
And Ollie says, what was that for? And Speedy says, call it sharing. I'm sharing a very small piece of the pain I've just gone through these past few days. The kind of pain thousands of kids are going through every day because an uncaring and unthinking society turns its back on them. Drugs are a symptom and you, like the rest of society, attack the symptom, not the disease. But this symptom is worse than most. It maims, it pains, it dims you, it drives you to the edge of insanity and over one and one day ends you your trip on a slab in the morgue with a tag on your around your toe. And I've got to go now. <laughs> like, yeah. mic drop, bye. <laughs> and yeah. Diana tries to drop uh, uh, to get him back. And she he says, thanks for the hand, sister, but he needs your help now more than I do. He's kind of dumb in a lot of ways. Yeah. And he says, I'm like him a lot. I'm cocky enough to think I can help. Some of my friends avoid the slab. See you straights around. And then, you know, and then Green Arrow is crying. Um, and it says, I don't like this line, the large lump of pride, but, you know, I get it. Um, like he's proud of him for beating the habit. But also, I think it was interesting. He's crying, but I don't know. It sort of illustrates his age. I'm not in love with the very last panel, but I'm in love with everything that goes on right before it. Right. So I think I, I think maybe it's a, depending on again a generational thing like so depending on who's reading this and where they're from generationally yep it could so, be, it, it was written for a different time <laughs> well and then we get the letter so at the end of this issue there's a letter from the mayor of new york city or not the mayor of new york city but the communications officer for the mayor oh yeah or no it is the mayor sorry yeah. i'm sure the communications offer uh, officer wrote it but you get a response he said, please forgive the delayed response to your letter, um, but many people are involved in our efforts to combat drug addiction and made the circulation of your promotional material a slow process. Um, and then they just get in and he says, you know, the war against drug addiction has become the most important one within our country. Drugs have risen to the number one spot. As a killer of our youngsters in New York City, we've made this combat our top priority and that will continue to expand, expand the horrors of withdrawal, the violence and the degradation of buying drugs go hand in hand with addiction. We must use every means to alert young people to those horrors and they must do their part to protect themselves and their friends. We must all hang together in this fight. So uh, one thing I really like about these two issues is that it was heroin and not pot. Yeah. I think if this this issue is about pot or LSD, it doesn't work. Because heroin actually killed <laughs> I mean, and so I do appreciate that, but it is a political piece in and of itself too. It's a political piece in response to the new comics code. And it's also a political piece endorsing the war on drugs to some extent. Right. And so yeah. I do think as brilliant as the two issues are, we do have to make sure we plant its place in history. Right. It, right. It's supporting something that turned out kind of bad. Mm -hmm. It's an, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting, um, footnote. So we get some interesting, a couple of other things I want to point out. Um, in addition to the research I did from Sachs and I'll, I'll bring in some more research, um, for the Spider-Man issues. But if we flip to the next issue that we've already read, uh, Green Lantern 87, and yeah. we did that on a previous, uh, episode of funny book forensics way back. Uh, but the letter columns talk about Green Lantern number 85, the previous mm -hmm. one we just read. And one of the writers says, I wonder if you have I wonder if you have any realization of what you've been able to do in recent months. Many media, the most notable of which is television, have tried with varying degrees of success to make the public aware of the increasingly spreading moral cancer known as drug addiction. Uh, for the most part, these attempts have been feeble, pretentious, little morality plays, 20th century versions of the drunkard. Hmm. 
complete with all of the melodramatic conventions, but being devoid of any true feeling of life. To the reader, listener, viewer, they parallel the sudden rain shower, which is forgotten when the sun appears moments later. This blanket criticism is not true of Snowbirds Don't Fly, who would who could close the pages of GL85 after reading the story and try to pretend it's all so far away from me. Who could remain the same person after viewing the very graphic scenes of tragedy and reading the prose of misery? Hmm. I think that that John Workman from Aberdeen, Washington, who wrote that letter, by the way, we should look yeah. this person up. Yeah. <laughs> 1709 West First, Aberdeen, Washington. I wonder if they're still there. I don't probably... I don't know. I would like to read more of John Workman's prose. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But overall, um, most of the letter column reflected that. Obviously, you can pick and choose uh, what letters you want to put in there. But most of the uh, most of the letter columns, uh, letters agree. But there was one dissenter. Uh, Sorry, but you're wrong. Drugs are not use. Greatest problem. They're just one of the signs and symptoms of the illness of the country and illness too great to be defined in one or two quick phrases, but which includes apathy, alienation, fear, and a good deal of raw hatred, among other things. You're attacking the problem, not solving it. You're repeating the mistakes of a society that just didn't give a damn about horse and snow and as long as it stayed in the barrios and ghettos and now they're hitting its own children and rather consider them criminals and perverts rather than deal with them realistically on a human level as long as you persist in showing us the picture of hard uses in a daily news shocking truth manner you are being equally unrealistic addicts are people and as such need to be dealt with on their own terms, not as monsters or depraved subhuman grotesqueries. Shock value cannot be a substitute for realism in any commentary on today. What's really going on is bad enough without throwing in some nightmare fantasy as well. Interesting. So there's the dissent. The dissent. <laughs> so where do you stand between those two positions? Um, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go John Workman because he went to go work um he went to go and work for DC, Marvel, Archie, Playboy, and do a stint with uh, Heavy Metal. So Yeah, I maybe knew that, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's I'm why I was here. joking. I'd want to read more of this John Workman's guy's prose, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so the other writer was Steve Gallery from, uh, uh, from New York City, so it looks like. And... The I think, yeah, I think they both have good points, though, right? I do think it's unfair to say that they didn't attack other issues in the books. In addition, this is one of those things, too, whereas if you take these two comics in a vacuum, you could potentially make that criticism, though, in in issue 85, the young man addresses that this isn't just a problem. Uh, this isn't just a drug problem, but it's discrimination against his people, right? So there's the illustration there. Um, they allude to... Um, the targeting of of drugs in uh, the inner city, right? So that is alluded to in the book. And in other issues of the book leading up to this, they are addressing other societal problems and hitting them pretty hard and will continue to do that. So I think it's unfair to say that the series, right? Yeah. Is, is this way. But if you take these two books in a back vacuum, and I think you have to as well, because they got art, you know, news articles published about them. It was a highly publicized thing. The, the covers are very sensationalist, sensationalist to try to attract the reader in to grab those issues about drugs. I could see where this criticism could be somewhat valid. I mean, it it's I mean, to take a I mean, man, this is the tough part. I mean, 
us being debaters. I mean, we have to we have to also take an objective eye to both sides of it and and looking at it as a um, from both sides of it. You're right. Um, you you can easily look at both sides of the coin here and see where both these both these things, as you stated, easily could be good valid talking points. Yeah. Well, and let me toss one more of these letters your way. So throw it at one, me. One of the letter writers. Eric Schrader from Huntsville, Alabama says uh, he has two common. Uh, we will find two common fallacies in the story. So I knew you'd appreciate this since okay. we're citing fallacies, but he doesn't say which ones. Okay. Uh, one, the drug problem is primarily a youth problem. And two, the predominant drugs are heroin, speed, acid, etc. The overwhelming majority of drug abuse, not uh, use abuse is done with the following in order. One, nicotine, two, alcohol and three, amphetamines. I left out his parentheticals there. Um, Usually these are prescribed by an abuser's position physician. So, uh, wow. <laughs> Was this guy not predicting the future mm-hmm. though? I would flip number three up to number one, number yeah, two means- still being alcohol and number three being nicotine. But yeah, I mean, well, those I mean, are still the top three now. Well, nicotine when 20 years prior, nicotine was prescribed by doctors. Uh, correct. Correct. 15 yeah. years prior. And when you join the military, uh, they, uh, I think like up until the, I mean, I want to say like in the sixties when they were sending folks off to Vietnam, they gave you cigarettes because of the stimulation. Yes, exactly. Well, and they also so, gave pilots, um, uh, and meth. Yeah. I mean, my, so they grandpa could focus more. my grandpa didn't smoke until he was in the military and they gave him, that was because they gave him cigarettes. <laughs> To smoke. Yeah. So while we do have a pain pill problem and, and obviously fentanyl and is a huge problem right now and people are dying from it, but these top three ca- causes, which uh, the young person at the time, I assume from Huntsville, yeah. Alabama is citing uh, are still the top three now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Definitely. I think that's a, you know, it's a great point. Um, and he also, you know, he says, I've had this secret agent story in my head in which a hero gets captured and is tortured and information being addicted to, you know, heroin and then withdrawing cold Turkey. Not exactly what was done in this story, but at least I know that someone else is as creative as myself. Um, <laughs> so he's kind of pumping his own writing, which I think is pretty fantastic. Hey, you know, sometimes you have to do that though, because it might get you noticed. Um, I do think it's very cool though, that um, they were willing to both publish the praise and the criticism. Yeah. Uh, in the stories. And I think they kind of had to for their own credibility. If they don't, then, you know, where do they stand at that point? Oh, for sure. If you don't, if you don't give the readers both sides of the story, uh, if you will, um, or both opinions, then uh, what good are you as an editorial staff? Of course, it's also very brave to uh, talk about publish those letters right in an issue where they're introducing John Stewart and addressing racism head on. So huh. they're like, hey, look what we just did. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, no, right. I mean, like right after Speedy's whole entire diatribe about um, the whole race thing. Yep. Well, and in issue 85, right, when the young yeah. man says this is it's yeah. about, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Discriminating against my people. So, right. It was a yeah. build up. It was a build up. Well, friends, this was a dense episode, but I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully, hopefully John from the mothership listens to this one, because I think this is one of the ones he would like. It was it was solid. I mean, good picks for for us to to read good picks for us to have conversation about. Um, And 
also to tie in other things. Uh, I can't really, I can't wait to check out Gil Kane and John Romita uh, working together on Spider-Man stuff. Uh, Going to really pick up. And, yeah, and, and with Stan off. Lee, right? I mean, we're getting Who? Stan Lee, Gil Kane, and John Romita. Did I even Who? know this existed? Nope, because <laughs> I haven't read that far in Spider-Man. I know. Um, and, and to sort of set the scene for everybody, uh, we're at the point in Spider-Man where I haven't read this far because I think I told you I left off around issue 40. Uh, but we're in the 90s, and this is the point where they're at, uh, uh, I almost called it Metropolis. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that's how big of a DC nerd I am. There, <laughs> Metropolis, you. <laughs> oh, good God. Yeah. Uh, they're in college, right? And Norman and, and Peter are friends. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Norman has just kicked, is kicking Peter out of his apartment because he's jealous because uh, Mary Jane won't get together with him. And so we've got all that dr- teenage college drama going on mm-hmm. in Spider-Man. And that's where we're around to pick up the story. Uh, and then... The drug story is a subplot, so it'll be interesting to see how they thread it uh, in the mainline story. Exciting. And I'm kind of excited to see it because this is a whole, uh, this is stuff you've read and I've never read. I find it funny that this is like, this is literally, you jumped out of Spider-Man where at this point. Where it gets good. I know. And this is where I was just like, give me these books. Like, I'm like, okay, um, are we going to the shop? Because I want to pick up some of these books. (laughs) Well, some of it was just a timing thing, too. It's just when I try to read it. And I'm sure we're going to read these. And then I'll probably keep, you know, pick up where I was reading before and read Mm -hmm. some more. But I mean, I I do. I do think for me at this age, sometimes the the Silver Age Spider-Man gets a little tedious in the early issues. Right. It does progress pretty well. And he does get to college pretty quickly. But it's a lot of the same kind of angsty want, spider-man right it's, it's the same reason i don't get hooked into batman often right it's like <laughs> oh my gosh i have all this responsibility and these powers and i get to balance my life and, da, da, da. and and sometimes i get you know just of the of the commentary i get a little bored i'm not gonna yeah. lie no 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 i mean that's and that's why like people are just like there there's there's that yeah you can you can only read so much of it right and you're like okay i'm done i gotta put it away i understand yep. But I also look forward to digging back into it and reading it again, right? Yeah. And trying it out. So checking it out. We'll see what happens. And I'm I'm excited to read it. And probably upon reading it, I'll go back and read some holes in the collection because you know I've missed a whole bunch of stuff, like yeah. Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Um, I know. I've never read the Gwen Stacy storyline. Oh my gosh. You missed the I know. whole entire you missed you missed like and see, this is this is like from this point. Spoiler on, alert, somebody told me what happened. <laughs> From this point to like, oh, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff going on in Spider-Man at the time. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm interested to dig in it and read with it with fresh eyes. So you'll, you'll, uh, I mean, I know I'll be leading with some of the history stuff, but you're going to be leading a lot of the conversation in the next couple episodes. I don't know if I'll be leading some of the, I mean, I, I, I mean, Dan, I mean, you, you got to hang out with also one of the other artists who was writing, who was yeah. drawing some of the stuff at the time. I don't know why you're whispering so no one can hear you, but sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just okay. Whispering on a podcast is a great way to I get know, the listeners it's involved. Good, it's good radio, right? Here I've got my brand new setup in here where I've got my radio announcer voice and I can see the line popping up and down unlike it did before here on our Zencaster and boom, you decide to whisper. 
It's good radio. Well, the good news is maybe yeah. I'll invite a friend for the next episode. You have other friends than me? Yep. I don't like, like that. Like three, but I don't like some that of them know all. about comics. Unacceptable. So we'll leave that. If no nobody shows up, you'll know that my friend just said, screw you, I'm not coming. But if they do show up, you'll get to meet a new person. So, all right, cool. Awesome. Well, we'll leave it at that cliffhanger. So overall, I would say thumbs up on the Green Lantern issue, Green Lantern, Green Arrow issues. I mean, it's their classics. And uh, honestly, they're must reads, right? If you uh, care about the history of comics at all, uh, you should be reading these. Yes, you should be reading them. And take them for what they are as a piece of, of history in their time. Yes, do it. Awesome. Well, that's all I've got for Funny Book Forensics today. Do you have a plug or anything that you're talking about right now? No plugs. No plugs. Okay. No, I, got well, nothing. I got nothing except for read comics, have fun, stay cool out there, kids, because it's freaking hot wherever you're at. I don't care and where go to you're the at. Retro, it's hot. Oh, and dude, go to the Retro oh, Emporium on Meeker Street in Kent, Washington, home of your childhood home of your childhood yes and we have ice cream now and you have ice cream now so if you are in the kent washington area uh hit up the retro emporium and say hi to ann and greg yes come say hi to us because and other than that i guess we're going to be signing off so i'm dan and i'm out i'm greg and i'll see you later